I'm going to have an uh, offering here. Um, and, uh, and if you want to take care of that, um, the offering this morning is for general fund. Um, I'm going to go ahead and pray for that. I don't know if there's any announcements anyone has. Uh, we'll share with that, and then we'll get right into this morning's message. Father, we thank you for your gift. And, Lord, we just ask that this morning we would be able to just uh, learn more about who you are and just the ways you have uh, continued to speak into our lives. Father, we thank you for um, just this building, all the things we are able to do as a church, uh, be able to spread your word. Father, I ask that you would just allow us to continue to spread your kingdom by just loving those who are around us. But, Lord, we just thank you for your gift, your love for us. Uh, Father, we just thank you for the gift and the giver. Father, we say this in your name. Amen. Um, so, only announcement I have uh, next week, uh, we're going to continue celebrating and in remembrance of Jesus uh, by having uh, communion next week. So, looking forward to uh, participating with y'all in that next week. Uh, any other announcements anyone has? Thank you. That sounds like a lot of fun. Anything else? We there is a if we are have I don't I don't know if we talked about it. It is going to be the fourth if we are having it. It won't be the third. Yeah, because there's another meeting the third Monday. So. Um, I'm sure I'll, I'll say something to Dale to just confirm, but I believe men's meeting this month will be the fourth Monday instead of the third Monday. So thank you for bringing that up. Anything else? All right. All right. Well, we'll dive right into the service here. Um, so yesterday I was... Um, uh, we were celebrating Easter with my family. Um, my brother-in-law was telling his story about his journey up Mount Washington, uh, my, which brought memory back to my brother lives in Maine, and he loves, he's been up Mount Washington uh, many, many times. Um, and me and him went up uh, uh, over Thanksgiving, and uh, my brother, my sister, and her husband uh, just went up as a family and they quick before their family went skiing, they're like, well, let's quick climb Mount Washington. It's supposed to be nice up there. Well, 
the only thing about Mount Washington is not a quick adventure. So they had to, I think they woke up like at 1.30 uh, so they could start climbing at 3 so they can be back by 10 to go skiing with their family. Um, so it just reminded me, though, of when we went. And when we were climbing up, um, uh, it was really nasty gusts of winds. Again, we went really early as well, not that early. I think we started around 4 or 5 instead of 3. Um, but as we were climbing, as we were climbing, um, we, there was, I think, six of us uh, that were climbing up. And we were making our way up, and my, my brother, it was a, the snow had just fallen, so you couldn't see necessarily the trail. But my brother was pretty familiar with it, and we were going, and then all of a sudden, we were, like, headed just towards this, you know, uh, rock or ice wall. And I'm like... I don't think this is the right way, unless if we're supposed to go up this wall and start doing some ice climbing. And so it was that, that case where we're kind of like looking around, trying to see, it was, it was kind of foggy, it wasn't a clear day at that moment. Um, and we're trying to figure out, well, where do we want to go? And so uh, one of the guys that was with us, um, he pulled out a GPS. And it's like, oh, the trail looks like it's, it goes a little bit over here to our left. We need to start making our way over here. So we trusted this GPS, and we were started going, but we were off the trail. And when you're off the trail, you tend to run into other problems. Um, and that being, my brother was leading the way. It was about uh, this high, about mid-height, mid-thigh height of snow, and he was just trampling through. And then all of a sudden, my brother just kind of disappears. <laughs> and he ended up in a stream, because uh, it wasn't quite frozen over yet. And uh, so, he got out, we were able to avoid getting wet, he wasn't, and we got back on the trail and we made it to the top just fine. But it was, it took some faith, one, to trust in this GPS. All right, is the GPS gonna be correct? Uh, we couldn't see, but coming back down, that same area, there's a cliff right there. Um, and it's just, we were essentially trusting in this trail, semi-trail, we can't quite see it, GPS, kind of trusting this GPS uh, to lead us away. But the reality of it was there's still some danger trying to get back on the trail. And so the question is like, how do we know uh, that we are going in the right direction? How do we know that we can be confident in the direction we are going? And the resurrection is one of those keys of the Christian life that we can know for a fact that the Christian walk is correct. We can see both just from history evidence as well as the Spirit of God working within our hearts. And you'll see it takes both. Um, it takes both because there's a lot of people who believe that the resurrection happened but do not believe. And it takes a working of the Spirit of God to uh, literally change our ways, uh, to literally see that the way that I think is the right direction. Uh, will just lead me to a cliff wall or to uh, getting hurt or to getting wet. Um, the, but the way, you know, when we have a, uh, a true north, when we have a true direction, when we have a map that we can follow, uh, it helps us, keeps us on that path. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. I want, if you guys want to turn to 1 Corinthians 15, um, verse 2. And we're going to read, hit a couple of verses in there. But this is a, a section of scripture that um, 
and, and I'm going to talk a little bit about dating really quickly. Uh, but this goes back to a few years after Jesus' death. This has a tradition of going back to, for sure, within 10 years of Jesus' death. And we're going to kind of talk a little bit by why that, that is so important. But I'm just going to read it here. Uh, this is Paul in 1 Corinthians. Uh, For I deliver to you as first importance what I also received. So this is something Paul himself has received, and he's passing this on. That Christ died for our sins in accordance with scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Caiaphas, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, and then to all the apostles. All right. So, so I want to first look at kind of the, the history of the crucifixion and the resurrection. So when historians, they have a wish list, which if they go by this wish, wish list, we have to throw most of history away. They look for early dating, sources that are very close to the, to the event. Eyewitnesses, multiple people who saw and, and recorded the event. Corroboration, eyewitnesses and sources that corroborate but do not um, collude with one another. And unbiased. And we know that there's at least one enemy that Jesus appeared to. That was Paul. Paul hated Jesus. But Jesus appeared to him. And so this uh, uh, scripture in 1 Corinthians just about hits every one of those points. Um, the historian wish list. And like I said, most of history that we have doesn't come close to the historian's wish list of what they're looking for as when they're looking for credible um, sources uh, and looking at the, the world. Um, and you can even look at, you know, um, in recent events, you know, you can take an event and you can have three or four different points of views that are very biased. And when you talk to a couple different people about that one event, you're going to hear four or five different, you know, sources from that one event. So try to understand, you know, and that's what historians do. They just read all this ancient text and try to figure out what actually happened um, and how, how can they see an unbiased viewpoint. And so... Uh, I want to just throw up a timeline and just show you guys, so you guys can see kind of the significance of this. Um, so we got um, so somewhere around here. Uh, about 30, between 30 and 33 A.D. was uh, Jesus' death. Um, and then the earliest creedal tradition, so that, that phrase right there it was a creed, something that was stated, believed, taught, passed on, uh, was believed to be uh, around 35 35 A.D. And then you have Paul's letters. 
Some of the earliest Paul's letters was in about 50 A.D. And then the uh, four Gospels were written between 60 and, I think, 90 in this time frame. Okay? And so, through the Bible itself, historians, both Christians, atheists, um, agnostics, uh, unbelievers, um, Catholics, uh, historians of the first century all agree that this, uh, this creedal here, 1 Corinthians 15, 2 through 7, uh, would have been within the first, you know, within 10 years of Jesus' death. Some believe within a year or two. Um, no one can deny that. Um, and so what's interesting is so you have all these different, you know, quotes from these different people. Some of them don't even believe Jesus really rose from the dead, um, but they cannot deny these four things, that, the, the, that there was a, Jesus was real, that he was crucified, and he was buried, that he was raised, that he w- appeared to many different people, and that there's a worldwide movement that was caused from this event from happening. No one could deny those, these bedrock facts that we, you know, we are celebrating today. And so, let's say if you are here this morning and you're a Buddhist. Let's, let's just, I just want to compare for you guys so you can kind of see the difference here. So, Buddha lived uh, like 560 B.C. The f- earliest source of Buddha that we have is 269. So, So like here is the first source referencing Buddha, okay? Not even his biography. And the first biography we have of Buddha is like somewhere in this time frame right here. See the difference between Jesus' death, the event that happened, and creedal traditions that we have, the teaching of his death, resurrection, and witnesses, see the significance there? And to add on to that, we have, you know, thousands of uh, documents that we can go through and verify and, and confirm. And it's open to the public. Everyone, anyone has access to all the things that we have found uh, regarding the scriptures, uh, different manuscripts, uh, there's people that literally just dive through them and figure out the difference between the different ones. Um, the, um, oh, I forget the year, uh, the Masoretic text, it was somewhere in the AD, uh, I forget the exact date, was a Masoretic text. Um, and then there was found the Dead Sea Scrolls, which dates back to like 150 to 250 BC. It was a significant find. And what they found was the book of Isaiah um, had very few uh, textual differences, meaning from, you know, over, over 100 years uh, of, 
uh, of this, this book being passed on generation to generation to generation, there's very few heirs. Uh, and definitely no heirs that made any significant changes. Like they, an I look like a, uh, what's the letter I look like? L. An I look like an L. You know, stuff like that. Um, and so, so even that, and you look at another faith, um, if you were here this morning as a Muslim, they have um, texts out there, but they don't allow everything available to the public for scholars to critique and to dive and to find, okay, what's missing here? What's going on? All right? So wouldn't that make you question? Right? So we have all this, and it's great, but it still takes one thing. It still takes the Spirit of God for us to recognize, to see where we are at, see that we're off the trail, to see that we're coming across some harmful territories to actually make us uh, turn the ways we're going. This is, it blows me away how you can have some of the smartest people out there to see it clear, clear as day and, and, and admit that this really did happen. This weekend really did happen. But, but yet their hearts are hardened to the truth. So this morning, I want to talk about um, some of the things. Why, why does this matter? Why does this weekend matter for us today? And we're going to be looking at this, you know, going forward next couple of weeks. I think Dale did a recap last week and kind of looking at about how, how we are relational beings and, and what does that look like. But it begins with that we serve a God who is alive. We, can, we know it both through the Spirit, knowing that uh, just I know it within my own heart and just the experience that I've had uh, in a relationship with a real God in my own life, and we also know it through history. And so the, we're going to look at how the resurrection proves Jesus is Lord. We're going to look at how the resurrection provides a unified Christ-centered family. And we're going to look at the resurrection offers hope to the lost, the hurting, and persecuted. And the resurrection gives the family a purpose. All right? And I'm just going to hit them real quick. Um, but that's, that's what we're looking at here this morning. So, but the, the other question I want us to, before we go there, you know, we didn't have a good Friday service, but Jesus had to die. I just want to go over that real quick. Why, why did Jesus have to die? There's a lot of thoughts, opinions, and uh, theories about that. But I just want to kind of go through uh, uh, just a, a quick step-by-step through uh, the Old Testament where it began with heaven on earth was a Garden of Eden, right? And we as humanity had failed uh, just some simple instructions from God. And God said, well, you cannot live here forever. So he, he kicks uh, humanity out. And what does, he do, what does he put there to protect the Garden of Eden from humanity coming back in? Cherubim with two flame, flame swords, swords on fire, right? We can't go back in. So what is God? God doesn't just leave us out there for our own and just, all right, good luck on your own. But what does he provide? He provides heaven on earth through a tent. And what's depicted on that tent? Two cherubim with swords. To be able to go into that, the Holy of Holies, they had to provide something. 
to be able to enter. And that was a, a, a sacrifice without any blemishes. And that then proceeded into um, the, they, they, had, they built a tabernacle. And it continued to be able to enter the Holy of Holies that was guarded by um, two cherubim with swords. Right? Heaven on earth. This is God meeting us where we're at. And again, having to provide a sacrifice. But then God wasn't done yet because he himself comes as that sacrificial lamb. And so now through Jesus, the blood of Jesus on that cross, defeating death for us, we have access to God, the Holy of Holies. God, Jesus was God tabernacling here on earth. And now the Spirit of God tabernacles within each and every one of us as a church. And so, when we look at the resurrection, we see that, we see the resurrection, that Jesus is alive. We worship a God who is alive, and that we are part of a family who is alive, and we have a purpose, and we have hope. And the resurrection proves Jesus is Lord. Um, in 1 Corinthians 15, it says, um, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is law. But thanks be God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Another thing about who Jesus was um, was that he was not the only one uh, who claimed to be the Messiah. Jesus was the real Messiah, but there was about 12 others who claimed to be Messiah, who claimed to be the Savior, who had a following. But do you, any of you know any of their names? Probably not. Because they were all killed and forgotten about. Their followers dispersed. They lost hope, right? So what's the difference between Jesus and the dozen others who had a following, who said, I am the king, I am the next Messiah, I am the one to save uh, our people? What's the difference? Because the real Savior, the real God, showed himself, defeated death, he revealed himself after he was buried. And it took this movement. Um, and and I, there's, um, he had very few followers at the time of his death um, compared to some other religions. And there's some other religions where they had a, a guy, um, they had a massive following and it still petered out. And, and when Jesus died, it, was, it wasn't until his resurrection where that just fired the flame. It wasn't until the Spirit uh, descended upon his disciples where it just grew the church, right? We have the evidence right in front of us. The resurrection proves Jesus is Lord. 
the resurrection differences Jesus from the 12 other fakers. It gives us certainty that who we are following is real. It gives us certainty that the word of God that he taught from and his own teachings, that we are to continue to follow this. That it is the way to life. The resurrection provides a unified Christ-centered family. We are adopted as sons and daughters, as co-heirs of Christ. Romans 8, 14 to 16. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit, and we are children of God. And if, if children, then heirs, and if heirs of God... And fellow heirs with Christ, follow, provided we suffer with him, in order that we may be glorified with him. All right? The resurrection provides us a family. For those who are um, poor, who don't have family. For those who um, are orphans. Those who um, are outside of the circle. At this time, it was uh, if, if you were an Israelite. No, you're part of the family, but what about the Gentiles, right? His, his resurrection provides a family. We are all adopted. We're all brothers and sisters. The resurrection offers hope to the lost, hurting, and the persecuted. So in First Peter... Uh, Peter's writing to a group of people who are going through lots of trials, um, different various trials. Uh, these were a group of people that, you know, uh, if, you were, if you were following Jesus at this time in first century, um, you know, the Roman Empire didn't quite know what to do with you because you were doing good things, but yet you weren't following their ways. Uh, you know, Caesar wasn't king, so that was a problem. But you weren't causing a, a ruckus. You weren't causing an uproar. You weren't trying to overtake their kingdom. So what do you do with that? Right? They're saying Caesar's not king. Caesar's not Lord. This other guy, Jesus guy, he's Lord. He's king. Well, so uh, it was kind of a weird thing. But Peter was writing to them, encouraging them. And this is what he says to encourage them. Blessed be the God and the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Guys, pick that up. This is the very beginning of First Peter. What does he bring up? To bring hope to those who are being persecuted, going through trials, you know, who are, who are experiencing pain, probably experiencing loss, uh, probably questioning what are they supposed to be doing in this time. And Peter just, one of the first things he brings up um, that Calls to be born again, living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. The resurrection, right? That is our hope. The resurrection of Jesus Christ. I don't know. That, that, that struck me probably the most in studying this. It's like when I, when I go through pain or questioning or suffering or when I'm walking with someone who's going through pain, is that the first thing I bring up? The resurrection of Jesus Christ? Yeah, I, I really wrestle with that. Like, that is our hope here as a church. And to remind us, remind ourselves, and just to live a life uh, that is 
the hope is in and through that we serve a God who has been resurrected from the dead. And it goes on to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes through its tested by fire, may be found and result in praise and glory and honor of the revelation of Jesus Christ. Right. Now, without Jesus, we fear death. Without his resurrection, we fear death. And death is another lie. Here, uh, let me just say this quote because it's way better than I can say it. Say it. For death is a, yet another sneaky lie that tricks us into hoarding resources instead of living generously. Fear of death deceives us into fighting with our neighbors and making swords and killing enemies. We are all living outside the garden, and the fear-filled instinct to protect ourselves at any cost is woven into our DNA. It's inescapable. Unless a true human could show us that death is temporary and not ultimate, Another reason Jesus dies is to show exactly that. And if, we, and if we're paying attention to him, his way of love will slowly but surely drive out all fear of death. Wow. How, I mean, does that relate to us today? A fear-filled instinct to protect ourselves at any cost? That death deceives us? We become hoarders, fear of loss of life, fear of what's going to happen if I lose all my money so I become a hoarder. Does that apply to us today? The, rec- the resurrection offers hope to the lost, hurting, and persecuted. The resurrection gives the family a purpose. Right? That's a great commission, right? We weren't just uh, called just to exist, just to exist within ourselves. We were called to go out and make disciples, go into all the world. We have a purpose. I there was a guy that I talked to last Thursday. Um, he was in a program. He's, he's a, a drug addict. He was in a program. He got in a fight. The other guy, they allowed the other guy to stay in the program. He got kicked out. And when you get kicked out of a program, some, for some reason, the system thinks the best thing for them is to send them back to jail and figure out what to do next. Um, I don't agree with that, but that's just how it's currently set up. It's like, can't we uh, find him another program or, you know, like, does it have to be jail, right? But anyway, so he found himself again in jail. Um, frustrated he's like he, he, he was owning up to the fact that I shouldn't have gotten in the fight I messed up uh, he's feeling a little down on himself like this guy he gets his day I had to go uh, and I'm just like but what's what's giving you hope what's driving you to continue to step forward to continue on this journey of you know getting over this addiction it's like I just want to it's like like he, he's in his 50s he's like, I just want to be able to walk with a young man and show them that this isn't the way to do it. I was like, why can't you start doing that right now? Like, well, I don't have my act together. Who has their act together? 
Like, there are, and we looked around the room, I was just pointing out, there's 20, 25-year-olds all around us. Just pointing them out. See those guys? You know a piece of their story that they don't understand yet. But you lived it when you were 20, 25, 30. And you can be a picture to them of how you could do life differently. And that can begin right now. The purpose that you have can begin right now, speaking into these guys' lives. You don't have to get all things figured out. You don't have to become a counselor at a program to be able to finally be able to speak into people's lives. That's the same for each and every one of us. You don't have to be a pastor at a church. You don't have to have a group of people following you. Right? You just have to have someone, a neighbor, who's willing to sit down and listen and talk. You just have to have ears that's willing to listen to people's stories. You just have to have a heart that truly cares about people. Not because you're building yourself up, but because we serve a God that loves us, that's demonstrated his love to us, and that um, because he has loved us, that we want to love our neighbors. Because we've seen the sacrifice God has given us, that we want to sacrifice those who are around us. The resurrection gives the family a purpose. And yes, there's wisdom having things, you know, having your kind of life figured out, but like we're not going to be all there every, every day, right? So does that disqualify us? So I just want to challenge each and every you. Because of the resurrection, because of the resurrection, we know that Jesus is Lord. Because of the resurrection, we have proof, solid historical evidence that Jesus is Lord. That, that from, you know, the dozen Messiah, claimed messiahs, that they're all false. That we can live knowing that Jesus Christ, who we, the Jesus Christ of our Bible, is God that came down as human bore our sins on that cross, made a way for us to come in relationship, right relationship with God to allow us to be a family, to allow us to come together as brothers and sisters, to bear each other's burdens um, in Acts. It's, it's literally, let's sell all of our things to help each other out. What kind of community would that look like? I think that looks pretty foreign to us. I'm not saying that we need to do that, but just that, that picture of literally uh, selling all I have to help out the community. Right? To when we go through times that are challenging, where uh, maybe someday, most likely someday, we'll experience persecution, um, or we're experiencing death or we're experiencing heartache or experiencing financial burdens or we're experiencing uh, troubles with our children or we're experiencing uh, um, just pain uh, within family relationships family dynamics uh, you know that we have hope the hope is in the resurrection of Christ and because of the resurrection of Christ we are called to something much greater than ourselves. We deny ourselves. We deny our needs. We deny our wants. 
we deny the things that we uh, want to lift up we, uh, because Jesus is Lord. We have a purpose. We go out to the world. We share the love that God has shown us and demonstrate that same love to those who are around us. We become a vessel, allow ourselves to be filled with Christ and overflow into those who are around us. Jesus is alive. Next several weeks, we're going to be looking at relationship. And it begins with the fact and the reality and the truth that Jesus is alive. We have a relationship, a true relationship with a God who is alive and who is not dead. Jesus is alive this morning. And because of that, relationships are developed. I was just imagining the world where Jesus is not alive. And I, I was going to do a bunch of like look up statistics of like how much the Christian community helps its communities uh, in its communities and in the world. And I've overheard stats. It's pretty crazy. Um, and just I, I, the ones that I've heard just finances, like how much more money and, and help comes from the Christian community throughout the world than anything else is, is, is crazy, right? That's one thing, right? But you can just play that game for a little bit. What would our world look like without a resurrected Jesus? And thank God that we have that hope. Thank God that we have that relationship. So, so we're going to wrap it up here. We're going to uh, um, shift to Sunday school. And I want us just to divide up into small groups. Um, do a little bit different instead of two big groups, just small groups, um, maybe three, four people per group. Um, and I want us to think about um, those four realities of uh, Jesus is alive, the resurrection. How has the resurrection uh, given you hope? Or how has it, uh, how have you struggled with that hope? Right? It can go both ways. Um, do you struggle with believing that the resurrection is real? Maybe that's you this morning. Do you here this morning, um, how, has you, how have you experienced community, the family? How has that impacted you, both good and bad? Right? And how, how has the Great Commission impacted your life? Has it impacted your life? Has that settled within? So I want us to look, just have a brief discussion on those four topics of the, what the resurrection, what does that mean? Uh, and, and how does that impact our lives today as Christians? Uh, and just have a conversation on those four things. Okay? And then, yeah, and feel free just to wrap it up and just uh, uh, blessing one another, encouraging one another. And... Um, yeah, allow, allow God to just work in your groups, okay? So children, you're dismissed to Sunday school.